hello and welcome to the Heal in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Marie, a certified trauma-informed coach and complex trauma survivor. Along my own healing journey, I found music to be both a supportive tool for processing emotions and a source of solace and comfort during tough times. On this show, I'm breaking down popular songs through the lens of trauma recovery, healing, and personal growth. So let's dive in. Right, hello and welcome back to the Heal and Harmony podcast. I hope you are doing well. Thank you so much for the positive feedback and just words of support I received from our last episode, which was the first episode. If you listen to that, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm super happy to have you here for our second episode, which we are diving into the song Midnight Rain from Taylor Swift's 2022 album Midnight's. So throughout this episode, we are going to be exploring what it feels like to outgrow a relationship and an environment, to be a deep feeler in a superficial world, and the pain of leaving something behind that was good but not right for you. Before we get into it, I want to quickly announce a couple of things. So on March 29th, I'm hosting a free workshop called Breaking the Cycle. This is all about how trauma impacts our relationships and how you can break the cycle of trauma for good and start having those healthy, safe, and supportive relationships that you're really wanting. After that, um, I am opening the cart for Blooming Relationships, which is my full online course all about creating safe and supportive relationships after trauma that covers things like trust, boundaries, communication, um, discernment between red flags and triggers. It is a big course. It's super comprehensive. And for the first time this year, we're doing four live calls instead of two. So There will be more details to come with that, but I just want to put that on your radar that that will be opening up for enrollment again at the end of March, at the beginning of April, and it will be open for enrollment the entire month of April. So there's plenty of time for you to decide if that's a good fit for you. So you can access the details and sign up for Breaking the Cycle in the show notes of this episode. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into Midnight Rain. As usual, I cannot play the song on this podcast, although I wish I could. But if you haven't listened to this song yet, or you need a refresher, or you just want to listen to it right now, go ahead and take a break from this podcast. Go listen to Midnight Rain and come back and we will go ahead and get started. So this song begins with a deep inversion of Taylor singing the chorus. And I will go ahead and read the words and then we'll dive into our analysis. So she says, rain, he wanted it comfortable. I wanted that pain. He wanted a bride. I was making my own name, chasing that fame. He stayed the same. All of me changed like midnight. So right from the the beginning, we are comparing her with the muse who appears to be an ex-lover or an ex-boyfriend of some kind. So she says, he wanted it comfortable. I wanted that pain, which I think is such an evocative phrase. So as a trauma survivor, which is how we are analyzing this music, I have distinct and somewhat painful memories of desiring pain. We're going to talk about this more in the episode of Would Have, Could Have, Should Have, where she says um, the pain was heaven. But a common trauma response is wanting to experience pain or learning to love the pain because it makes us feel alive. So if you've been through a lot of trauma, you can start to get to this point in life where everything just feels really heavy, really stressful, or 
yeah, really hopeless. And so pain can actually be sort of a comforting or desirable uh, experience at that point. Or if you have a more insecure attachment style, you might be very uncomfortable with ease, comfort, peace, especially in relationships, which is something I teach within Blooming Relationships and the Breaking the Cycle workshop. So if you are come from an experience that is full of chaos and pain, like an abusive dynamic or just dysfunctional relationships or a dysfunctional family, you're used to having really high highs and really low lows in your relationships. So you might have a hard time sitting with ease that folks with a more secure attachment style might embody. And this can lead to a lot of different problems within the relationship and just how we view ourselves. Because we can think, you know, there's something wrong with me. Like, I can't just be with someone that's good for me. What the hell? Like, all I want is a relationship that is peaceful, but I can't seem to tolerate it. I crave drama. I start fights. I pick fights just to, you know, just because. Or I just feel really bored and I start picking out problems with my partner um, or just wanting to run away. So I'm just here to remind you that all of that is really common, and this can result in continuing the cycle of trauma if you don't become aware of it and choose to make a change. So what I mean by that is if we don't think there is another option out there for us and we think, oh, you know, I am only good enough for pain or dysfunctional or chaotic relationships, then we're probably just going to continue to repeat those even at the expense of our mental health or even our physical health. So while that is something that we can take personal responsibility for and decide to change, it's not like an indicated, uh, it's not indicative that you are bad or that you are broken or that there's something inherently wrong with you. It's probably a cycle of trauma that you maybe even inherited or just came about as the result of your life's experiences, which were likely not your fault. So I just want you to, you to know that if this is something you relate to already, you're not alone. We got Taylor Swift, of all people, saying, he wanted it comfortable, I wanted that pain. Do we know she's speaking to the experience of a tra- trauma survivor? No. But we know that she could even resonate with this experience of not feeling like we want comfort or not feeling like we can sit with peace, but we crave pain. And that can just be a really difficult experience for many reasons. So please just know you, you're not alone. And we'll go ahead and continue with the song. So the next line of the chorus is, he wanted a bride. I was making my own name, chasing that fame. All of me changed like midnight. So this continues with the theme of him, the muse, wanting it comfortable. He wants a bride. Sounds like he wants a typical path through romance and adulthood, while she wants to focus on her career and personal aspirations. But this hasn't always been the case because she says she changed and he stayed the same. So did she used to be like him, satisfied with comfort and simplicity and just wanting to be a bride, you know, perhaps in the lover era where we got songs like Lover, where she is saying, I will marry you, or Paper Rings, where she's saying, "You, I will marry you with paper rings. At some point in time, this girl used to um, have similar aspirations to him, but something has changed. Or did she pretend to be like him, but never really was deep down? Was she putting on a mask and a facade to try to fit in and be comfortable and be like everyone else, but has realized that she cannot continue to wear that mask? 
Is she simply no longer attracted to him and his approach to relationships or life? Has she sort of outgrown the comfortability? Or is she not comfortable in the relationship with someone who is so sunny and light and peaceful as she's identified more and more with the pain, darkness, and allure of something deeper? I'm not sure, but that is what we are going to be exploring within this podcast episode. So now we get to the first verse, which is, My town was a wasteland, full of cages, full of fences, pageant queens, and big pretenders, but for some it was paradise. My boy was a montage, a slow motion love potion, jumping off things in the ocean. I broke his heart because he was nice. Woo! I love that. So in the first verse, we get more context and we really get clued into Taylor's perspective. She describes her town as a wasteland, but for some it was paradise, which I think is really interesting. So if we imagine a wasteland, like I'm thinking in the movie, The Lion King, you know, the Disney movie, where they are like looking out over the outlands or the, you know, wastelands in that movie. If you imagine that, I don't think anyone is going to call that paradise. There is literally like dust everywhere there's no water there's no signs of life there's really like bones all over the ground kind of the definition of a wasteland would be you know typically really obvious and objective it would be pretty easy to tell us something is a wasteland but taylor's telling us that some people call this wasteland a paradise so we're really getting the observation that taylor has a different perspective from the people in her town and from the other character alongside her in the story the muse i'm assuming the ex-boyfriend So she talks about the cages, the fences, the pageant queens, and big pretenders. So now we're kind of getting this imagery of an idyllic American dream, sort of 1950s suburb imagery. To me, at least, that's saying maybe on the surface, everything is beautiful and perfect and polished, but underneath there is really no soul. It's sort of been sanitized of all character, and ultimately it's a wasteland that Taylor can no longer tolerate or see the magic within. To me, it seems like the veil has torn down, the illusion is broken, and Taylor is trying to convey to us that some people are satisfied with that. Some people don't see through the veil, or maybe they do, and they're happy with what they see. They're happy with that comfort or that superficiality, but others like her, or maybe she thinks she's alone in this, see through it and realize they don't belong here, and it's all just a wasteland. And what is probably one of my favorite parts in this song is how she is now describing her lover or whoever this person is as a montage. So everything about a montage in a movie, I'm immediately imagining the part in the movie where things are all good because it's really not that interesting when you're watching a movie to watch the characters just like be happy for the whole time in the movie. Good storytelling is always driven by some sort of conflict. So the montage is like this nice break from the conflict where, you know, we've seen a lot of drama. We know there's more to come, but there's this moment when things are good. It's like we're in a cheesy 2000s rom-com. The montage has this lovely little little like Hall and Oates song going on in the background and we're meant to just enjoy it and just see our characters thriving and being happy but we all know that is not going to last. So I think it's really interesting that she's describing her lover, this ex-boyfriend perhaps as a montage and a slow motion love potion. Jumping off things in the ocean, I broke his heart because he was nice. So in this montage, I'm almost imagining it is like this summer scene. People are jumping off things in the ocean. Everything is perfect. And she's just like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't tolerate this. It's too nice. It's too comfortable for me. So she says, I broke his heart because he was nice. And that is the theme that is clearly laid out in the chorus once, once again. 
So this sunshine boy that is just warm and good and nice is perhaps like the town, not deep enough to really understand or connect to Taylor, who we'll find out in the next chorus sees herself as Midnight Rain, the title of the song. We get this understanding that she has outgrown the town and the relationship. Pageants, picket fences, niceness, all of this is starting to feel fake or wrong, and Taylor is realizing she doesn't belong here. Is this undercut with feelings of shame? I'm not sure. I know for me personally, when I was in kind of the throes of CPTSD and depression, feeling like this really darkness surrounded me. To me, it felt like I didn't fit in with anything that was nice or light or bubbly or good. And that made me feel a tremendous amount of shame because I thought that is how I'm supposed to be. That is how I'm supposed to feel. No one wants to hear the darkness. No one cares about my struggle, which I know now is not the truth of the matter. But at the time, it definitely felt like it was. So this reminds me, essentially what I'm saying is how a trauma survivor, as a trauma survivor, it's easy to feel different than everyone, because in many ways you are. So I know now that so many people have been through similar things. I have an audience of over 100,000 people that can relate somewhat to the content I talk about, which is all about trauma recovery and healing from abuse. And I can connect without feeling perfectly understood to people. But if it feels like you're surrounded by people who just, you know, get over it, so to speak, or don't dwell on the past, you can feel so broken if you do, or you can't help it. Trauma is not a choice. And when we are dwelling on the past, quote unquote, that's not something we're choosing to do. It's a part of the experience of having trauma. So if you're dating someone who doesn't get you or doesn't understand that experience, that can be an opportunity to either build that connection, to learn how to communicate what you're going through and develop a stronger emotional connection, or it can be a sign that it's not the right fit. But either way, it's not a sign that you're bad or broken for having trauma or for being different in any way. Sometimes things just don't work out, but it's not either person's fault necessarily. And I think this song kind of speaks to that. So we're back to the chorus, where it is the same as the first one, except for she says, he was sunshine, I was midnight rain. And then following that up with, he wanted it comfortable, I wanted that pain, he wanted a bride, I was making my own name, chasing that fame, he stayed the same, all of me changed like midnight. So the main statement and the idea that we're going to be returning to over and over, and we already have throughout this song, is he was sunshine, I was midnight rain. And these words alone evoke so much. So sunshine, I think we typically associate with a more golden retriever energy, perhaps. We associate it with extroversion, with people, with social activity, with warmth, with summer. And then we have Midnight Rain, where you can imagine perhaps I'm envisioning New York City, where Taylor is often referencing in her songs where she's lived, looking out onto the midnight sky on a sleepless night, and the rain is pouring down in droves. And honestly, I am just feeling so seen by that. While I'm not from New York City or the East Coast, I'm from Michigan, and what I've learned if you're living, now I live in the Pacific Northwest, living here for 10 years, I've learned that in fact, in my opinion, rain is more of the opposite of sunshine than snow. So rain, I feel like really can sink deep into our bones. Um, And yes, the cold of the snow can also do that too. But to me, I think snow can be more gentle and not like the complete antithesis of sunshine that midnight rain is. 
So in the chorus, we get both Taylor's voice and that dark, deep, synthy voice. And to me, that seems to represent how Taylor is expressing this darkness or this Midnight Rain-esque feeling, that moodiness, that brooding that she feels kind of artistically through her music. And I think it is really effective. So let's move on to the next verse, which says... It came like a postcard, picture perfect, shiny family, holiday, peppermint candy, but for him it's every day. So I peered through a window, a deep portal, time travel, all the love we unravel, and the life I gave away. So in verse two, we have now jumped into the future. We are past, you know, her living in that town and feeling like an outcast or feeling like it's a wasteland that she's outgrown. Now she is receiving some sort of postcard, what I imagine to be a Christmas card from her old lover and his now family and his kids. And everything is just so lovely. And once again, reminiscent of this kind of like rom-com, unrealistic standard, Hallmark Christmas movie. But she's recognizing that, at least from her perspective, it seems like that is his life every day. And while I think this is rather simplistic and this guy doesn't actually have a perfect, trauma-free life, that's just how, you know, social media as well as perhaps actual Christmas cards can make us feel. Um, We can only see the highlight reels sometimes if that's what people choose to post, which most people do. And so if you are in kind of this dark place or feeling like you are really struggling or you don't have that kind of picture perfect life that you're quote unquote supposed to have, it's so easy to compare yourself on social media or to these Christmas cards and see and, and just feel shame that there's something wrong with you that you haven't made it there. Um, And this reminds me of the frustration I often feel, and perhaps Enneagram 4s in particular might relate to, that people are faking and showing us only the highlight reel and feeling this deep craving for someone to connect to the darkness, someone to actually be real. Because to her, to us, this image of a happy family can feel incomprehensible. If you are really sitting with the darkness of trauma or grief or mental illness or chronic illness, it can feel incomprehensible to see someone's highlight reel and just think, how is this accurate? How is this your life? And so this can easily be twisted inside into thinking that we don't deserve the happy family because we are broken or defective or because of something that happened to our past. Or it can just be something that she does not connect to, and there is deep loneliness in that. This feeling of, I don't have this experience, and maybe that was my choice, because I chose to, as she says, chase after that fame. I chose to prioritize other things in my life other than comfort and marriage and family, but I still feel the loneliness of that choice that I made. So in the next part of the verse, she is now truly taking her place as the voyeur or someone that is looking onto a life that she has no access to anymore and that is not a part of her experience. So she peers through the window and experiences a form of time travel where she is remembering what it was like to be with this person and all the good things that came with being with a nice sunshine person and recognizing the love that she gave away. So I think really just relates so beautifully to the complex and difficult experience from walking away from something or someone that you know is good and even good for you, but just isn't right. And maybe it's because it doesn't feel right, or maybe because it really isn't right, and maybe both at the same time. This can, of course, happen with relationships like Taylor is talking about here, but can also happen with jobs or other commitments or friendships that we make when there's nothing really wrong about them per se, but it's just not right. 
So in the world that we live in, I think we make a lot of space to listen to the people who are left, the people who are left behind or broken up with, and as we should. Being left and abandoned is super heartbreaking, and we need all the support when we go through that. But I think we often ignore the people that are doing the leaving when they're doing it for a good and valid reason and when it breaks their heart to do so. You know, so if you've ever had to leave something or someone behind that you know is good for you, that can be really painful. And it's hard because you might feel guilt over hurting someone or letting someone down when you know that you have to do what's right for you. You can feel like the bad guy, even if you're walking away in the least harmful way possible. It's so easy to villainize the person who does the breaking up. So I just want to offer, you know, to anyone out there listening who's been the one to walk away, um... I see you and it's tough and you deserve support and healing as well. So now we get this kind of like, I don't know if it's called an outro or an interlude or a third verse. (laughs) Apologies once again for my lack of music know-how. Hopefully I will increase that as this podcast goes on. But she says, I guess sometimes we all get just what we wanted, just what we wanted. And he never thinks of me except when I'm on TV. I guess sometimes we all get some kind of haunted, some kind of haunted, and I never think of him except on midnights like this. So in this part of the song, we are starting to get some sensations, some sense of closure. She has kind of explored the pain of this experience of being in it and walking away. And now she's acknowledging, you know, sometimes things do just work out. We all get just what we wanted. We all get what we needed. And it's hard to reconcile that with the fact that, We will never be connected nearly in the same way that we were then, and it's over, but in a way, there is so much peace in that. So I think what she's really saying here is he got what he wanted, which was the comfortable family life. She got what she wanted, which was a tremendous fame and success. And now perhaps she's looking back and reflecting on her life and what has led her there. But through this lens of it did work out. It is painful to remember what it felt like to leave behind everything I knew and go my own way. But now I know that I did the right thing. So I think that's really hopeful and provides a lot of perspective for folks who are on the precipice of making a choice to kind of break away from the norm or do something their own way. Next, she has the lines comparing when they think of each other. So we're seeing Taylor's idea of his mindset. We don't know what his actual truth is, but she imagines he's not someone that's dwelling on the past or moping about the loss of their relationship or sitting there holding the flame for her. He's completely moved on, and and he doesn't even remember she really exists unless he sees her on TV and thinks, like, wow, that's my famous ex on TV. So we get this understanding that Taylor's perception of this guy is that he's not necessarily emotionally shallow, but he's certainly not broody and dark and deep like she describes herself. But then, meanwhile, with her, she has seemed to move on when it comes to -to day-to-day life, But she does think of him on midnights like this, where maybe she's connected to the grief or the nostalgia of her past and to that sense of midnight rain. So she's a brooder. She's a feeler. She's someone that will maybe be terminally nostalgic. And damn, if that ain't relatable. For anyone who is listening to the song and relating, I want to say that I see you. It can be tough to feel like you're the quote unquote deep one in your family, in your friend group, etc. You may have even become the problem child, so to speak, because of your depth and sensitivity. You're probably the one who never lets go, quote unquote, and you honestly don't really know how to. I want to remind you that you don't have to let it go. There is no moral imperative to quote unquote get over the past or to have lighter feelings. 
Maybe you learn to find a way to hold space for the past and for the present and for the future at the same time. Maybe you give yourself permission to brood on midnights like this or whatever that version of that phrase would be to you. Maybe you stop censoring the parts of you that need to explore, grieve, and emote. And maybe like Taylor, you create art or just move with those feelings and that um, nostalgia you experience. I think some of the most brilliant and deeply creative people are like Taylor and like me and like you and like us. When we suppress our darkness or depth of emotion, we do both ourselves and the world a disservice. So keep feeling. Obviously, if feeling deeply feels like it's destroying your life, there might be ways to look for containment or ways to express that in a way that helps you release some of that. Um, But I just trying to say here that If you are a deep feeler, there is nothing wrong with that. And you should be able to, or, and I believe that you can find someone that can um, make you feel safe and make you feel good with that deep feeling. And maybe that's a golden retriever sunshine person that provides the perfect contrast to you and your temperament, or maybe it's someone who more directly resonates with you. That being said, if you find yourself consistently running away from people who are actually kind and good for you, you might want to explore with gentleness. Why is that? If you run towards people who treat you poorly because they seem to get you, that might be a sign of insecure attachment strategies that have helped you survive and get your needs met in the past. So if this sounds familiar or interesting to you, if you want to learn more about these attachment strategies I'm describing or why trauma can make us run directly towards people who just kind of repeat the cycle with us and don't help us heal or grow or feel like our best selves, I have a couple different resources for you. So you can check the show notes for my Empowered Relationships Assessment, where you can get clarity on how trauma or past hardships are impacting your relationship or your approach to relationships. And on March 29th, like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm hosting a free workshop all about how trauma impacts our relationships and how you can break the cycle for good. This is also in the show notes, a completely free one-hour workshop, and I will be sending out the replay. So if you're listening to this at a later date, I'm also opening my full course, Blooming Relationships, for enrollment for the sixth time and would love to have you in there if it's a good fit for you. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode all about Midnight Rain. I would love to hear what you thought of this episode. Feel free to contact me. You can see how in the show notes. Um, And if you enjoyed this, I would really appreciate if you left a rating on Spotify or Apple Music. I mean, Apple Podcasts. That really helps me. And um, thank you for everyone who has rated and reviewed so far. I really appreciate it. So I'll see you next time here on the Heal and Harmony podcast. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Take good care. Bye. Bye.